The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bright Side Podcast. I am coming to you from Orange County, my new home, and it's actually right smack in the middle of moving day, so got a lot going on around the house here, but today is one of the most beautiful days we've had weather-wise in LA all year, so feeling pretty happy about that. I feel like that's a good omen, and this week's been a great week, but I got to get back to unpacking, so without further ado, I wanted to introduce you to this week's podcast guest who was for me, one of the most inspirational people I've talked to. She definitely lit a fire under my ass for a couple of the different ideas for projects I've got coming up. And I really feel like if anybody is struggling to feel motivated or inspired, or you feel like you've been hearing no a lot about something that you're passionate about, Jamie, who is this week's guest and founder of It Cosmetics, is the perfect person for you to be listening to. So I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode because I definitely enjoyed making it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Bright Side. My guest today is Jamie Kern-Lima, founder of It Cosmetics, among a lot of other things, also now an author. I've got it right here, and you've got a couple copies behind you. It's called Believe It. And I haven't finished the entire thing yet, but I will say that I haven't been able to put it down what I have read because it's really inspiring, really interesting. I feel like, at least for me, the way it was written, it's just been really enjoyable and relatable. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you for having me also. Super grateful to be on the bright side. And yeah, I wrote Believe It because for like several years, I would get all of these DMs on Instagram and messages where people would say like, oh, I read your story or or it was really just the highlight reel. And they'd say, oh, I heard you went from Denny's waitress to billion dollar entrepreneur. Like, did you get lucky or did you have connections or, you know, how'd you do it? Because for me, I'm struggling or for me, I'm getting rejection. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm tempted to quit. And I just kind of realized like if we don't ever really share, you know, all the real stories behind the stories, then people feel alone in their own self-doubt or their own setbacks. So I really just wanted to share kind of the real journey of how many years of rejection it was and and how how many obstacles there were in getting to everything from building it cosmetics to even just dealing with like self-doubt and body doubt and God doubt and all that fun stuff. So it's kind of the first time I've ever sharing it all. And I I hope that it helps a lot of other people on their own journey of learning to believe in themselves and overcome self-doubt and kind of step into the person that they're born to be. Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, this week, especially, you know, the TV show that I film is just wrapping up and I'm starting to think about, okay, what do I want to be doing in our downtime? And I've been sort of feeling overwhelmed by, you know, I've got so many ideas and so many things that I would love to do. And it just feels sort of insurmountable thinking about how many different steps I need to take and, and, you know, the different potential paths that I'll need to go down in order to make that happen. And I feel like I'm one of those people who rather than, it's not really so much that I have faced a lot of rejection, but it's sort of like I do it to myself in advance. Mm. And I've always really wondered how people like you and people who have such success don't let that happen to themselves and continue to stay motivated even through you know, I know you've been through a lot to get to where you are, but how do you not say, okay, you know what? I just got to quit. Like I'm done. Yeah. I love what you just said. Cause I think 
it's true of everyone, but even so, so I have had a ton of rejection from other people, but even with that, it's always our own head. I feel like it's always ourselves where I feel like self-doubt can kill more dreams than almost anything. And it's really easy from the outside. This is so why I wrote this book, why I wrote this book, Believe It, because from the outside, everyone thinks I just built a billion dollar company and like all these just ended up on the Forbes list and all these kind of crazy things. I used to think that about some of the women that were my mentors from afar that I had never met in person before. And over the years, I've had the blessing now of you know meeting tens of thousands of entrepreneurs and also some of the people I've admired my whole life from afar I've had the gift of meeting them in person now. And the one thing, Caitlin, that um, maybe you found this too, but every single person I have met now shares in common what you just said about you and what I feel about me, which is that even people I can never imagine feeling this way, they all still deal with self-doubt or imposter syndrome or all those things every single day. And learning that and talking about it, I think is huge because a lot of times people feel like it's just them or something's wrong with them or everything looks good on Instagram for everyone else. And so it must just be like, they're the only ones insecure, but it's actually what I've learned. It's, it's a daily practice to learn how to turn down the volume on self-doubt and turn up the volume on our own knowing and our own intuition and our own gut and learning to trust it. And it's a practice that almost everyone I've met still does. It's like a lifelong journey of learning how to truly believe in yourself and trust yourself and know you're enough. Because here's the biggest thing is, you know, so many of us, we have the noise of our own self-doubt. Then we have the noise of everyone else's opinion around us. And then sometimes we have friends or family who love us, but like they see our own dreams or our own opportunities, or our own goals through the lens of their own fear or their own self-doubt or their own stuff. So then we have the noise of all of their well-intentioned opinions, but everything gets so loud and we almost like don't even remember how to get still and hear our own gut anymore. And when that happens, it's so easy to talk ourselves out of our own truth or to never become the person we're born to be. So like you talking about all these opportunities and all the stuff you can do. It's interesting because that's someone with all the opportunities is just as likely to talk themselves out of their own truth as someone who's getting rejected from everyone as well. Because in both cases, we all have to learn to like turn down the volume on everything else and learn to hear our own knowing and our own gut and make the decision to trust it. A big part of the problem is figuring out which path is the right one and that can be so overwhelming i mean i know you're saying you've got like in general what you kind of need to focus on and do but are there specific exercises yeah. that you practice or recommend in order to get there yeah a couple of things so i think learning to really build that muscle of intuition first of all i believe we all have it i believe every one of us has a knowing inside of us i think it's always right i think though that we often confuse like what our head's telling us or what someone else is telling us or whatever with our own intuition. Here, here's an example. So first of all, to learn to build that intuition, getting still even for five minutes a day and just going like, what do I hear? What do I feel? And when you start doing this, when people start doing this, everyone will feel like they're doing it wrong and they'll start like going through their to-do list in their head or whatever, but you just start the practice of hearing yourself. And another great way to do this is to think back of times in your life where you had a gut feeling about something and maybe you like didn't listen to it. You listened to someone else and, and you went with their opinion instead. And then what happened, right? And then similarly, a time where 
maybe other people were saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know if you should do this. And, and you did it. You trusted yourself. And then what happened after that? And you start like looking back at all these experiences and it helps us build this muscle of intuition, which gets refined over time. And then another big thing too, and this is important. A lot of people talk about knowing your why, and they usually talk about it in the business world. Like they'll say, you know, make sure you know your why, your reason for doing what you're doing. So companies, a lot of times will have mission statements on their wall and they'll make sure their employees know them and everyone's clear on the vision. But what I think is huge is a lot of people will set goals like in their regular life for their dreams or their hopes or their careers or whatever. They'll set goals. They might even write in a goal setting journal, but then that's it. And they never actually attach a why to their goal. And this is a really big thing because it'll help you weed out the stuff that's not right for you too, is if you really, you know, sit down and go, what is my why for the career I want? (laughs) Or what is my why for my health goal? Or what is my, whatever that goal might be. And then once you have a why, that's when you then need to go deeper and peel back the layers on that why to the why beneath the why that's really personal, really deep. And that's the one you lean on when you have to make tough decisions or when you get knocked Mm. down and you want to keep going. And one example of this is I was working as a television news anchor and I thought I was going to do that my whole career. And I started getting a skin condition on my cheeks called rosacea, which there's no cure for. And it's bright red and bumpy. And as I eventually realized I couldn't find anything that worked for me, which is where the idea for It Cosmetics was born. I also realized I'd never seen models that had skin conditions before modeling makeup. And I kind of realized like, oh, and this was, you know, this was actually pre-YouTube when this whole idea started. So there wasn't anyone showing their bare face. There was only Photoshopped ads. And so when I wrote out the why for it cosmetics from the beginning, like I could have just said, oh, I want to solve my own skin problems. But, but that why alone wouldn't have been deep enough for me to keep going in the three plus years and hundreds of rejections I got while trying to build the business. Right. So I went deeper and the next level was like, oh, I want to help millions of other people buy this product. And that why is, would have sounded great to everyone else and it would be true but it still wouldn't have been as deep and meaningful to keep me going. And what what I ended up doing, and I did a ton of things wrong that I share in the book also in building a cosmetics. But one of the things I did right was like, I peeled back the layers. I went super deep to the why beneath the why. And for me, it was that growing up every time I had seen maybe ads on television, beauty ads, selling beauty products. I loved them. I always aspired to look that way and everything else. But at my core, they always made me feel like I wasn't enough. And so I wanted to create a beauty company with amazing products that worked, but then use all types of people, every age as models, age, shape, gender identity, uh, skin type, skin tone, call them beautiful and mean it. For every little kid out there who's about to see those ads and start doubting themselves and every adult who still does. So it was like this deep why that was sourced in a real, a thing that really mattered to me. And so I think when you have, and and by the way, congratulations, how amazing to have so many (laughs) opportunities. It's such a blessing. It's more just ideas. You know what I mean? It's not really necessarily so many opportunities. It's more just like, I have so many like thoughts and interests Mm, that I would love to pursue and then figuring out, you know, where to go from here. And I think I get overwhelmed by the idea of, you know, a lot of the things I'd like to pursue would require, you know, going back to school or just like kind of rerouting the 
path I've been on and kind of taking a step back in order to take a step forward, if that makes sense, yeah. which it, which is just scary and a little bit overwhelming. But I think, I mean, I, I, the advice that you just gave, I think is very helpful because I personally am not someone who's, I'm not very motivated by money. See, I think sometimes when I see people who are extremely successful and they're still continuing to do all these other projects, I think they already have so much success. Should, like they should just go enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's amazing that they're so successful. And I mean, I definitely understand the drive and wanting to, I think I would be really bored if I wasn't always doing something for work. Yeah. But I always wonder what their motivation is because you know what I mean? Like they've reached this level of success and yet they're still, they're still grinding every day at a job. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I have that kind of motivation. Yeah. And here's the thing is I used to always have people say like, oh, because <laughs> you know, when we, when we sold at Cosmetics, it was a long journey and it was, you know, I started the company in my living room. It was three years of everyone saying no. Sephora, Ulta, QVC, all the department stores uh, didn't, didn't believe that the product would make it, or they thought I shouldn't use real people as models. And this was really before it was, is being done. I'm so proud that now it's being done everywhere because it's what's needed for humanity, frankly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but at the time it wasn't. And so it was, it was years and years of everyone saying no and just really building the company. When we finally started getting a lot of momentum, I have some crazy stories I share in the book about like how scrappy we had to be to stay alive in the early years. And, you know, a lot of people that are starting out, they hide how unglamorous their business is. And I really just decided to open up the curtains and just like say, here's all the stuff we did to, to stay alive when we had no money and we couldn't afford to hire anybody and all that. There's crazy stories in the book, but I talk about building and, and eventually we were able to start hiring and eventually we got some big yeses in our business uh, with QVC and then department stores. And we eventually grew to over a thousand employees and became now at Cosmetics right now is the largest luxury makeup company in the country. That's um, amazing. Congratulations. It's, it's amazing, right? And then we yes. we um, <laughs> we sold to L'Oreal and L'Oreal bought 100% of our company. And when that happened, they are a public company, so they actually released the purchase price, and it went, it was everywhere. It was in the homepage of the Wall Street Journal, with all this kind of stuff. You know, girls this company for over a billion dollars. When that happened, everyone thought that I would just head to a desert island, <laughs> and, <laughs> right, and just like sip margaritas all day, pina coladas all day, and. Yeah. It's definitely tempting. Yeah, what keeps you motivated, you know? So two things, I think that, and by the way, people would look at you and think the same exact thing. You'd be like, oh, does, you know, Caitlin could just chill at a desert island all day long. I try to remind myself of that, you know, when I, I think <laughs> no, no one is immune to comparing themselves on social media to other people, but you know, it, it affects everybody to some degree. Well, the thing I've learned too is that we always hear people say like, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. We, we hear those things. And then they're kind of these lessons we all learn or have experienced to really learn for ourselves. They're, they're hard to believe unless we go through them often. But here's the thing, whether it is getting a huge acting role, whether it's getting a huge show, whether it's selling your company for a billion dollars, whatever it is that people's big goal or dream is. What I've learned is this famous saying is true that no matter what outcome you achieve, you still bring you with you, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So like, so all the issues you have, they're still there. I mean, maybe you've had the same experience as some of the, the amazing things that have happened in your life too, but no matter what they are, it's almost like 
while things might look like they change at the same time, nothing really changes. Like you still bring you with you. And so, so for me, the victory in life is never like the outcome or like the achieving this or getting that. It's like, am I able to feel the day, feel alive, bring like summon my own joy, make a contribution, be and live love. Like, am I able to do all those things right now where I'm at? For all of us, everyone listening to your show right now, for all of us to figure that out in our own life right now where we're at, that's the victory because we're all going to accomplish stuff and not. We're all going to, like all those things are going to happen, but we still bring you with you. Right. Still, that's why sometimes people move and they're like, oh, I need a fresh start. They still bring the them same with thing. them. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing. Or they go relationship to relationship or job to job. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love your suggestion to think about the why behind the why, because I think that's just a really good place to start in figuring out like what does motivate you, what your goal really is and, and dig deep to figure that out. Also, and this is a big one is I have never met anyone that is happy or fulfilled unless their why is something bigger than themselves, meaning it impacts other people or something that's bigger than them. And a lot of people don't have a why that's bigger than them. Like their why might just be like, oh, I want this much money or this much. I want to get on the New York Times bestseller list or I want to whatever it is. But when it's just, and I know a lot of people this way, like they'll get all of this outward significance, what the world tells them success looks like, but they're not happy. Right. And there are a lot of people that accomplish huge things like Oprah, for example, who does it for reasons so much bigger than herself. And those are the people that are truly fulfilled or the person right down the street who, who literally goes on their morning walk and like says hi to everyone. Cause they want to brighten other people's day. Like that person's as happy because they're doing something that's bigger than themselves. You know what I mean? And I think like, that's a big key too. And a lot of times we don't ever really see that talked about on social media or anywhere else. And then people are feeling unfulfilled and unhappy, even when they, as they accomplish things. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause I would say the moments I feel the most fulfilled are when I get a comment from somebody regarding the show or regarding something that I've, I've written and put out publicly that, that it somehow affected their life in a positive way. And from my own experience as, as it relates to It Cosmetics, I just want to thank you because I remember being at a, a makeup tutorial, but one of these big celebrity makeup artists was doing makeup on, uh, you know, for everyone to watch using some, I, I forget what makeup line it was he was representing, but he was doing makeup for somebody and one of the guests in the audience raised her hand and asked what he would do if he needed to cover a blemish or how he handles that like problematic skin. And he said, well, I expect my clients to take care of their skin. And that was all he said. Mm. And then he, so he didn't even answer. And I remember feeling so alienated in that moment because, you know, I, I had gone off of birth control. I got cystic acne. It just became really imbalanced. And I was having a really hard time with just having, you know, different texture and, my mom has had rosacea since I was a kid. And so I, I definitely think I have little moments that I get little, like little bits of rosacea. So, you know, my skin was having a difficult moment. And I remember right around that same time that I found It Cosmetics Foundation. And because I had seen what it was designed to do, which was to help people that had, you know, discoloration, and it was meant for people whose skin wasn't already perfect, I finally had a foundation I could use that worked for me and that I didn't feel like excluded by, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And you know, what's wild too, is like, when you talk about all these ideas that you have, right. And all these, these things and the whole idea when, when it cosmetic started was what, when I was in the middle of what I thought was a big setback in my life. And there's a famous saying that like our setbacks are sometimes our setups for what we're supposed to do. And it's really interesting. I just want to share this one thing in case it helps you too with your own decisions on all of the ideas that you yes, have, which please. is so exciting, by the way. <laughs> but I remember, so so since I was the time, the time I was a little girl, I would always watch Oprah in my living room. And I was like, oh, one day I'm going to interview other people and share their stories with the world. And I knew my whole life, that's what I wanted to do. And so by the time I was I thought I was working in my dream job and I'd worked my way up in television news and I was anchoring the news and interviewing other people and their stories. And so I thought I was in my dream job and that's when I started getting rosacea. Right. And so I would be anchoring the news live and I would hear my earpiece from the producer. There's something on your face. There's something on your face. You need to wipe it off. You need to wipe it off. And I knew I was live there. And I knew there was nothing I could just wipe off. I knew it was the makeup breaking up, right. And the redness mm -hmm. coming through. And so I went through this big season that I thought was a setback, right? I thought like, oh my gosh, am I going to lose my job? Because I, I tried all the makeup in the drugstore. I tried the department store stuff. I tried pro makeup artist lines. Mm -hmm. Nothing would work. It would either look like this huge thick mask on my face or exactly. I'd be talking. Yeah, I'd be talking. It would start breaking up from the hot HD lights of television and the redness would come through. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And my, we talked about self-doubt earlier and it's like, that inner critic that we all have inside of us, like mine got so loud. And I went through this season of, you know, I'd be live anchoring the news and I would have thoughts like, are viewers changing the channel right now? Like, am I going to get fired? Am I losing ratings? Like all these things. And I got this crazy idea, right? We talk about so many ideas. I got this idea that was like, if you could figure out how to make a product that works for you, it's probably going to help so many other people. And so I had this idea, but then it was like kind of this gut feeling. But then right away in my head, it was like, oh, but you're not qualified and you don't know anybody in the beauty industry. You don't know what you're doing. Um, you have no idea. There's probably experts for that. Like all those things that are going to make. <laughs> it sounds like my brain. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> See, okay, I'm glad I'm sharing this story because this is so normal, right? Right? Because people so often they just see the outcome. So they just see like, oh, that girl built a billion dollar company. She probably just knows what she's doing and knows everyone in the beauty industry or whatever. It wasn't the case. So I'm sitting there like having like this gut feeling I'm supposed to do this. Right. And sometimes like we have this, this idea, but then in our head, it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, easy to talk ourselves out of it. And I just kept having this feeling. And it was like this moment where my, almost like my gut or my intuition was on one pedestal and then my mind <laughs> was on another. And again, I feel like our whole future, not to be dramatic on the bright side, but our whole future, like comes down to which one we listen to, mm -hmm. like our heart slash intuition, gut, or our head. Mm -hmm. I feel like our whole future, our life often comes down to, to which one we listen to. And plus I was in what I thought was my dream job. And I, I, I remember just kind of having this, I guess, lesson that sometimes in life, knowing when to let go of me is as important as knowing when to go after one. And even though I thought my whole life, that was my dream job, I just had this feeling. I just had this feeling and I made the decision to trust it. And it didn't mean it was easy. Right. And and here's the thing I want to share with everybody, because a lot of times people have ideas and then they try it 
and it doesn't work. And they're like, oh, I was wrong or my gut was wrong or I don't have what it takes or whatever. And I had this feeling. And so, you know, my honeymoon flight to South Africa, I wrote the business plan with my husband for a cosmetics. We got back, quit our jobs, like dove all in. I had no idea it would be three years before I could afford to pay myself. I didn't know I would get hundreds and hundreds of rejections. And here's the thing is during those tough seasons and those tough years, and I would get like another big no from QVC or Sephora or whoever, and I'd cry myself to sleep at night. Like every time when I was like, I don't have what it takes, right? All that self-doubt started to take over. And I'm like, my gut must have been wrong, all of that. I would literally get still. I would pray. <laughs> I would literally try to listen to that voice inside that we feel on our heart or our gut. And every time I did that, it told me to keep going. And I made the decision to trust it. And for three years, I felt like we were supposed to be on QVC. And they literally said no to me. I don't know how many times. One time I eventually got the head guy who's like the head of the multi-billion dollar business on the phone. I thought if he's going to talk to me on the phone, it's definitely going to be a yes because otherwise he wouldn't waste his precious time. And on the phone, he said, he's like, Jamie, we've reviewed your products, all of them that you've sent over and over with all the buyers. And uh, it's unanimous that you're not the right fit for QVC or for our customers. And when you hear people tell you you're not the right fit over and over, or you need to change who you are to get a yes or whatever it is, it's so tempting to think our gut is wrong. And that I literally, when I would get still, I was like, no, you're supposed to create a a brand with real people as models. You're supposed to only launch a few products that really do what they say, like all this stuff. And I just, I trusted that feeling because what everyone else told me, I would check in with my gut about it. And I was like, oh, they told me to, to use, you know, people with perfect skin as models. And then I could wow. get in their stores or they told me to do these things, but it doesn't feel right in my gut. And it's crazy, but three years of that constant rejection. And I, I still trusted that feeling, even though I didn't have proof around me, it was right. And that made all the difference because we eventually built the largest beauty brand in QVC's history. And it is right now to this day, but for three years, they literally told me you're not the right fit for us and for our customers. And I'm only sharing that because I bet you there's so many people listening, you know, as part of your community right now that like have this feeling, but like they don't see the proof around them that they're right. And they're tempted to give up. And I don't believe in that whole saying of like, just don't quit whatever you do. Cause like, I think that's not the victory. I think the victory is trusting your knowing and following that. Cause sometimes our season of being in one job or one relationship or one, whatever, it's the end and we know it. So like not quitting, I think is not the victory. Like it's right. the opposite, right? But like trusting that knowing and keeping going. If I wouldn't have done that, we would never have built to a billion dollar company. I mean, also what you did was really, you identified something that just didn't exist and disrupted an industry that didn't apparently want to be disrupted, but turned out to be the most necessary thing. Like there are so many women. I mean, I'm obviously just one of them, but also I remember my best friend at the time, same exact thing. She and I were like, it cosmetics, we love it. We started telling everyone about it because finally we had something we could use you know and it wasn't you didn't have to have airbrush perfect skin in order to start using it I, I'm really grateful that you kept going oh thank you well the other thing about that is like when we are doing something different whether it's disrupting an industry or just doing something in a different way on social media or in an industry or in a space or with an idea 
like the thing I've learned is that oftentimes experts or visionaries, I, if I learned this lesson, Caitlin, I would have saved myself so many nights crying myself to sleep. If I would have learned this sooner. Um, and I talk about this a lot and believe it because we often put experts on a pedestal for good reason. They're, they're visionaries. They have all the success, all these things. But what I've learned is when you're doing something different that's never been done before, or maybe it's an idea that's already been done, but like you're doing it your own way. Mm -hmm. So by definition, it's never been done before. I've learned that experts, even like the most touted visionaries, they have a hard time believing something's going to be successful. And they would never admit this, but they have a hard time actually imagining something successful if they've never seen it be successful before mm -hmm. like that that social proof subconsciously in their mind that something is going to be successful because it already has been if that's not there they have a hard time imagining something new being successful and the other thing is a lot of times experts have never actually built anything themselves they're just in really cool roles and companies and so it's really it's different and I think like when you are the person that's creating something or ideating something or offering the world something like your own talent or gift that's a little bit different. The hardest thing is like when that's you, you have to get really good at cheering for yourself in the journey because so often most people will only cheer for you after you've made it. And then they'll, they'll say they always knew, <laughs> they always <laughs> believed in you. <laughs> but like after it happens is usually when people will be like, yes, I knew. I'm so proud of you. All those things. That's good advice though, too, to not really expect for other people to, to be your cheerleader until, you know, I mean, you've got to do that for yourself because yeah. that can be hard to do. Yeah. You know, we want them to be, <laughs> we want them to be. Right. But, no, but yeah. I, but that's a good point though. If you don't feel as though you're, you're receiving that from other people, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, that you should give up. Right. And you should, exactly. Yeah. And don't interpret it as doubt or as that your idea is wrong or anything else. Yeah. It's literally just that most people are only capable of believing in what you're doing after it's successful. Yeah. It's just how it is. Yeah. Well, I yeah. feel I'm so grateful for this conversation today because if nothing else, oh. I just got so, I feel so inspired and motivated right now. So thank oh, you. Man. I ask like a, a series of recurring questions with each of my guests on the show that are just kind of fun ones, if you don't yeah. mind. Of course. I'd love to know what you like to do to celebrate a success. Mm, celebrate success. Oh gosh. Well, I'm trying to actually stop and enjoy it and really like feel it. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but so, so after not having success for so long, and then when I finally got started getting success in my business, I literally couldn't believe it was real for a long time. And I worked, I just like, was like, oh my gosh, I've got to strike while the iron's hot. And I worked so hard and ended up doing hundred hour weeks for almost 10 years. Wow. And I don't think you have to do that to build a billion dollar company. I know you don't, but I, I literally was living in burnout. Like part of why I wrote this book too, is to share the real stuff that was like working with your partner. Who's also totally burnt out, like all the things, right. The impact it had on so many areas of my life. But one of the things I, and I talk about all this, all the things I did right. And the lessons, like I wish I had known sooner um, in the book about even just overcoming self-doubt and all those things. But I talk about the stuff I did wrong too in Believe It. And one of the things I did wrong was I literally was so was driving myself so hard, was living in burnout that I never celebrated the big wins. Like I was literally just in survival mode. And so now <laughs> when I have a big win, I really celebrate it. So Believe It just made the New York Times bestseller list. And I was like, okay, I'm not just going to go right past that. I'm going to just take a minute 
And I was with a group of people and we opened in these half bottles of duckhorn wine and we each had a half bottle. Because that's what was in the room, right? We're like, cheers. And just like, I wanted to feel the moment Mm -hmm. and feel the day. Yeah. Oh, well, good for you. I love that. I think I'm, we, you mentioned (laughs) imposter syndrome at the beginning of our conversation. And I don't know if that's something that everyone will be, everyone listening will be familiar with, but Mm. it's essentially when you don't feel the success that you're, or the position you're in doesn't feel real or authentic to you. Yeah, that's exactly it. And imposter syndrome can come in so many forms. It can be like, oh, I, maybe you get like a tiny bit of success or someone gives you a chance or you get a big interview and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm not qualified. You say that in your own head or you get something big, right? You get into a really great relationship. That's a healthy relationship. Even you can have imposter syndrome in relationships, right? Yeah. And we can say like, oh, but I am not worthy in our own heads, right? We, Uh sometimes we don't realize we're doing this. We're like, oh, I'm not worthy of a relationship that's healthy like this. I'm going to put that person in the friend zone. And we don't realize what we're doing, but a lot of times imposter syndrome is just like, I'm not good enough to be in this room with these other people or in this friend group or in with the success in my company or any of those things. And we start to feel like great things happen to other people, (laughs) but are we really worthy of them? Right. And everybody I know deals with this, even people that I couldn't imagine, how could they, they're so incredible. How could they possibly ever feel imposter syndrome. And even they do. The the beauty of talking about it is like, oh, when we realize we're not alone in it, then we realize like, oh, okay. It almost like shrinks it and Uh doesn't feel as personal anymore. And it feels like part of the journey of just recognizing it. Yeah. I think and be like, oh, okay. Recognizing it is a big thing. I remember being asked to be on a panel one time and thinking, why do they want me to be on this panel? (laughs) It makes no sense. What am I going to share that anyone would find any value in? And that's when I first became aware of imposter syndrome because somebody said to me, no, you actually, this, they would be really interested to know, you know, what your experience. And I, I started a business with one of my friends from college and we ran that for about five years. And it was, I mean, I I loved it. I loved that entire experience. I loved really working for a startup from the ground up and and grinding every day. I really loved it. It was something I was, that definitely motivated me a lot. But I certainly felt several times like, how am I running this business? Or, you know, (laughs) why is everyone asking me what to do? You know, I'm just, you know, you just feel like you're still the same. Right. And we feel like, yeah, exactly. Almost like why us? It is, so it's universal. And it can even come in small things. It can come from someone who's going to make a social post today. And they're like having those thoughts of, why would people want to hear my opinion on whatever? Or do people really want to see this art I just created? Mm. Or right? We have the, we all have those thoughts and overcoming them is huge. Talk about this a lot and believe it because I had this big thing where I challenged the whole beauty industry to change. And it was a really tough day in my life. And I talk about how in life we have, sometimes we have to make decisions. Would we rather be brave or be liked and which one? And Anyways, the morning of this huge speech I gave, it's really about also how do you overcome imposter syndrome? But I listened to this Steve Jobs commercial over and over. That's super old. He did it for Apple a long time ago. And it's someone else's words that he voiced over. But he talks in it about how the people who are crazy enough to believe they can change the world are the ones who do. And I listened to it over and over and over because I needed all the courage I had to do what I was about to do that day. But anyways, I think like those words apply to ourselves. Really, when we learn to believe in ourselves and believe we're worthy 
of our greatest hopes and our wildest dreams and of all the unconditional love in the world, when we learn to believe it, like that's when we become unstoppable. And I do believe we are all worthy of those things. And like part of our greatest journey in life is learning how to believe it for ourselves. Well, I think I, I agree. And I really appreciate you saying all of that because I think it's really, it's a good reminder for everybody to hear those things. Um, one more fun question. What song do you like to listen to that just always puts you in a good mood? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my, well, the one lately is um, Unstoppable by Sia. <laughs> like, I literally, <laughs> I can't get it out of my head lately. I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed getting to hear everything you've had to say. I'm, I think that this is a conversation that will be so helpful to so many of my listeners and I think really inspirational. Mm-hmm. And I love your book. I can't wait to finish it believe it everybody you got to go out and get a copy because it is so motivational and I mean our conversation today is just a snippet of what you'll get from the book so thank you thank you so much and a lot of times I want to share this with you too in case your community loves this but a lot of authors will write like a study guide and they sell it separately and I just want to do it for free because I want I don't know if I should I'm donating 100% of the proceeds from the book to uh to yeah to Beating America and Together Rising so 100% of the proceeds are being donated but really you know and the book is for everyone who wants to really break through that barrier of self-doubt and learn to believe in themselves and trust themselves. And so I wrote a 95-page action plan on how to implement all the lessons from the book into your real life. I'm just giving it away for free. So anyone who grabs the book, the whole action plan is on believeit.com. So that's there if anyone wants to grab it too. And um, I'm just excited. I really hope it's all the stuff, Caitlin, I wish I had known. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no. like so many nights. You're, you're doing everyone <laughs> such a big favor. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And where can uh, everyone find you. you on social media? I'm mostly on Instagram okay. at Jamie Kern Lima. Yeah, Jamie Kern Lima. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for having thank me. And thank you. you for your show too. Oh, so course. great. And I'm no, super honored to be on it. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. It was very nice getting to speak with you. Yeah, you as well. The Bright Side is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. Our theme music is by Maddie Noyes. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Caitlin, K-A-I-T-L-Y-N-N, or email the show at thebrightsidewithkc at gmail.com. Have a happy day. Oh, I never wanna be. I need you